Thank you for listening to Preaching the Word with Nathan Deitch. Through the pitch black night, the captain sees a light dead ahead on a collision course with his ship. He sends a signal. Change your course 10 degrees east. The light signals back. Change yours. 10 degrees to the west. Angry, the captain sends. I'm a naval captain. Change your course, sir. I'm a seaman. Second class, comes the reply. Change your course, sir. Now the captain is furious. I am a battleship. I'm not changing course. There's one last reply. I'm a lighthouse. Your call. Believers in Jesus Christ daily walk in a battlefield. Whether you know it or not, as a believer, you're engaged in a spiritual war. Not a sporting event, not a social club, but a war. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4 says, For although we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but we have divine power to destroy strongholds. God has given us as believers spiritual weapons with divine power to destroy the strongholds of the devil. In Ephesians 6, 10, Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. How encouraging is it that it is God that makes us strong? We don't rest in our strength, but we rest in the strength of God and His divine power. We're made strong through Him. And it is his might that upholds us. There's an Old Testament scripture in Zephaniah 3.17 that says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. And he will exult over you with loud singing. Despite your circumstances, God is mighty to save. It doesn't say that he might save you. It says that he is the one who will save you. Sometimes, when we're going through difficult times, and maybe it's often when we're going through difficult times, 
We want God to change our circumstances now. But what God wants is for our heart to change. He wants to work out our salvation. And he will quiet you by his love when you turn to him in the midst of your difficult times. James 1, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Continuing in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We're told to put on the whole armor of God. Not part of it, but all of it. But again, this armor comes from God. It's not something we put on in our flesh. And the armor that comes from God is to stand against the schemes of the devil. And the Greek word there is methodeia. It's where we get our word for methods. The devil is methodical at coming after the Christian. He has had thousands of years of practice at finding the weak spots in individuals and individual personalities. He will methodically come after you. And that is why Paul is telling us, put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers and over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So spiritual warfare is described as wrestling, as if we're in hand-to-hand combat with demonic forces. As I said before, the devil is methodical. He has been the father of lies since the very beginning. And since the fall of Adam, when Adam sinned against God, Adam gave the authority of this world over to the devil. And the devil has authority over the systems. He has dominion over the world. And so... Satan's forces are highly organized. They're structured. There is an active enemy with thousands of years of experience and knowledge looking for every opportunity to destroy the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. And he's an enemy that doesn't sleep. He uses trickery, manipulation, and deceit. Ephesians 6.13, Paul goes on to say, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, 
and having done all, to stand firm. That word, therefore, is reminding us of what he just said. Because the devil is always ready to attack us, because he's methodical, we need to take up that whole armor of God, as he said in verse 11. To stand firm means to be set. It means to be established, to be ready. And in Ephesians 6.14, Paul says, Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness. For the third time, the apostle tells us as Christians to stand firm in the spiritual battle. When someone teaches you something and they repeat something three times in a row, you know it's important. When I taught my daughter how to use our zero-turn mower, I told her about the blades that were spinning below three times because I didn't want her to get cut, to lose a foot. And this is the emphasis that Paul is putting on standing firm. It is through our continued submission to God and standing in Christ that the devil will flee. James also makes this same statement in James chapter 4, verse 7, when he says, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Paul talks here about the belt of truth. The Greek word here is aletheia, which it means the opposite of escaping notice or concealing. Truth is that which is in the light. Perhaps the single most important question anyone could ask is, what is truth? We live in a world and a culture that is very confused about what truth is. But that's nothing new. When Jesus was led before Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate questioned Jesus, asking him if he was the king of the Jews. Asked Pontius Pilate if he was saying this of his own accord, or if he was saying this because that's what other people were telling him. And Pilate answered, Well, am I a Jew? Your own nation and your own chief priests delivered you over to me. And Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting, that I would not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. And then Pontius Pilate said, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born. For this purpose I have come to the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who listens to the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate said, What is truth? So you see, my friends, people have been confused about what truth is for a very long time. The Bible is our basic instructions before leaving earth. And ultimately, it is God himself that defines truth for knowledge and wisdom. It is God that is the light. 
He is the one who reveals the truth. It is through his Holy Spirit that we can even understand the scripture. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes understanding and knowledge. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Paul also talks here about the breastplate of righteousness. To be righteous means to be right, to be justified before God. Well, what does it look like to be righteous and justified before God? Do you think that somehow you're righteous before God by coming to church? That through your good deeds, you're going to be justified in God's eyes? Do you think that your public record or working hard or serving others makes you righteous? Romans 3.10 says, No one is righteous. No, not one. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. My friends, no one is righteous before God by what we do. The only way to stand righteous and justified before God is through faith in his Son, Jesus Christ. In that same chapter of Romans, Romans chapter 3, verse 21 and 22 says, But now there is a righteousness that has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Back in Ephesians chapter 6, Verse 15, Paul goes on to say, And the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The believer is always to be ready to share the gospel. Ready to share that it is through faith in Jesus Christ that we are made right before God. That God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Always be ready to share the gospel. The word for ready here means prepared. Be prepared in your heart to share the gospel. Know the gospel. And practice sharing it with your friends and your family. Paul says this is the gospel of peace. The gospel offers peace that passes understanding. This peace comes through understanding that we've been reconciled with God. We who were once condemned before God because of our unrighteousness have now been made righteous through the blood of Jesus at the cross. Those who do not believe in Jesus Christ still live under that wrath of God and condemnation. And the gospel offers peace. Ephesians 6, 16 goes on to say, 
in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one. In all circumstances, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the shield is faith. Faith in Jesus Christ that reminds us that we are cleansed from our past sins. Jesus has already paid the full penalty for sin and death, past, present, and future. We don't have to live in the shame and the guilt of our past. One of the most common tactics of the devil is to remind you of something that you did. Maybe something you just did. To make you feel ashamed. And that you're not good enough for God. But through faith in Jesus Christ, we have the power to resist the devil. When we're tempted, we can turn to Jesus at any moment, and he will provide a way out. Continuing on in Ephesians 6.17, it tells us to take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The helmet of salvation This is not talking about attaining salvation. It's talking about the salvation we have through Jesus Christ. It's the assurance of salvation for a believer who's already received Jesus. Satan desires to destroy your assurance, to discourage you, to keep you trapped in sin. And on the cross, Jesus said, It is finished. Jesus was declaring that he had finished the work of your reconciliation and justification before God for all who would believe in him. There is nothing we can do to be saved. Salvation is a free gift that comes through faith in Jesus and what he has already done. Although scripture speaks of salvation as an ongoing process, in which the believers are being sanctified and growing in the already free gift of salvation, in the knowledge and in the grace that they have already been given. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow, in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. When we live out our lives, pressing forward through faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will testify with our spirit that we are his children. Romans 8 Verses 16 and 17 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also 
be glorified with him. Ephesians 6.17 also talked about the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is God's word. This is the only offensive weapon that the believer has, but it is powerful. As was stated earlier, this is a divine weapon, and it is used for pulling down the devil's strongholds. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. God's word cuts to the heart of both individuals and the issues. God's word has the power to pierce the fallen heart of man. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation to all who will believe. And Paul concludes with Ephesians 6.18, saying, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Lastly, we are to pray at all times in the Spirit. You might say that prayer is the oil for your armor. If you're not constantly in communication with God, you'd probably be like the Tin Man in Alice in Wonderland. You would look really good as if you had a full suit of armor on, but you'd be completely locked up and ineffective because you'd be rusted and nothing would move. Communicating with God is how the armor and the weapons are effective. If any soldier is not regularly hearing from their superior, they'll not know what they're to do, and they'll become ineffective in the war. It's through our continued confessions of our sin that we keep a good conscience before God, before our commanding officer. It's through continuing to bring our requests to God that he'll keep us at peace, knowing that the battle is his. Philippians 4, 6-7 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. All believers are engaged in spiritual warfare. Being prepared for the battle is vital. I encourage you, if this is something new, seek out godly counsel or elders at a Bible-believing church to guide you and disciple you. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understandings. Thank you.